Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Conversations on Conversations, where each week we explore a topic to help us have more powerful and transformative conversations with ourselves and with other people. I'm your host, Sarah Noel Wilson, and joining me this week is my dear friend and colleague and amazing human, Lisa Dury. And let me tell you a little bit about her before I bring her on. Lisa Dury is the co-founder and CEO of RLD Group, a certified WBENC coaching collective helping tech companies take cultural transformation out of the clouds, banish burnout, and help drive bottom line results. Lisa spent over 20 years, not two, 20, in Silicon Valley and has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Women Lead Magazine, Feedspot, Thrive Global, Authority Magazine, Romper, and the Mercury News, and the list goes on. She's also the host of Control-Alt-Delete with Lisa Dury, a top 10 podcast on technical leadership. She's also raising awareness for women living with lipedema, a disorder that affects one out of nine women. Lisa, 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 welcome to the show. Sarah, it's so interesting to hear someone else talk about you that way, right? Like, well, I will look at that. Yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so honored. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. And I'm really grateful for the platform to be in conversation with you. Hmm. I, you know, for those of you, just a little bit about how we connected. I, I think you, I think somehow we got connected on LinkedIn. Oh, I was stalking uh, you. Let's just call it. Yeah. <laughs> I was stalking Sarah. Sarah had these amazing little videos going on that were so impactful. And I just reached out and was like fangirling, like, hey, I do that too. And you're doing amazing work. And I'm so inspired by you. And, and then we, you re- can I just tell the story? Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, you yeah. reached back and we're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Anything you need, any way I can support you, we're in this together. You were so um, <clears throat> human, mm. you know? I was just like, oh, yes, please. I, then I kept the conversation going because you were open and kind and curious. And yeah, it was a, it was a great moment in my day when I was like, do I just go say how awesome you are? I don't know, because you're awesome. <laughs> And then, and then, and then, then I discover how amazing and awesome you, you are. And, you know, and just that point of, I mean, this is something you and I've had countless conversations on (laughs) is like, it's so powerful to just be human. And yet sometimes it feels so difficult, right? It feels so difficult because of the masks we feel like we have to wear or because of how people expect us to show up, you know, and, um, and that is something that, you know, what I'm excited for all of you who are listening is that, uh, Talking with Lisa, whether it's virtual, you know, or whatever, is just like sitting across a kitchen table from a friend. And it's like, it's, you know, it, you know, any of the conversations we've had, Lisa, I've always been like, I'm thinking of just like a warm mug of tea. They're healing, they're soothing, they're comforting, and maybe a little like, little hot, there's a little heat, heat behind it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm particular, before we hop into, right? Um, you know, what we want to explore, what else would you want the people listening to know about you? Wow. Well, here's a couple things. I have to clear my throat. That's number one. How about that for being human? Mm, okay. <clears throat> okay. You did great. Thank you. you did I get really an well. A. I, I love yeah. to get A's. How about one thing? You <laughs> gold know? star. I'm a gold star. I'm, even when I'm in physical therapy, I say to the therapist, I'd like an A, right? Like whatever it takes, I'm all in. So one thing I would say is I'm all in. That's how I show up mm. in the world. Um, to the best mm. of my ability with whatever consciousness I have at that moment in time. Um, I'm a mom, a wife, a sister, a daughter, 
uh, CEO and co-founder of an amazing business that is so life-giving for me. Um, mm. I'm a champion of women. Um, I'm a lifelong learner. I battled infertility for many years uh, as a executive in tech. That's no joke. Mm. And um, I am in the midst of a health crisis. Yeah, I am. Mm. And and that's what we're going to explore. You know, when we when we had our last conversation, you started to open about up about the I mean the health crisis you're in and the challenges, and just to set the stage for people at home, you know, if you don't already know why it's important for us to talk about our health, chronic illnesses, how to support ourselves, how to support each other, I hope by the end of this conversation, it'll continue to shed some light, you know, but in my own journey of navigating long COVID, I've become very um, much more aware of how silent chronic illnesses can be and how silent health issues can be. And we don't even realize that someone may be suffering or how to show up. So, so let's start from the beginning mm-hmm. of your journey or, or where, where would you like to start? Do you want to start with where you are now and go back into it? Do you want to start at the beginning mm-hmm. and walk us through? You know, I'm not sure I know the answer to the question, but I can tell you um, when you say, what should people know about you? I think there's a pull through that might help us have this conversation. So mm-hmm. I think I mentioned um, I battled infertility as an exec in tech. I also burnt out in tech. And now mm-hmm. I'm in a situation where I'm living with what's called lipedema. And I'll, I'll, I'll digest all that for everybody. All three of those things, as much as I've been a walk the talk leader, I thought, you know, transparent, vulnerable, open, curious, each one of those, those three things in my life um, in the beginning of each, I show up feeling broken or the mm. mindset, the stories I tell myself. And every one of those is like, you know, if anyone finds out you're not going to be respected or hired or promoted or whatever, right? You're either going to be mommy tracked, laid off or not hired in, in the third situation, right? And I teach, we teach, our collective brings forward influence and communications courses, among many other things. But in those courses, we talk about limiting beliefs. And Mm -hmm. so I think maybe a place to start is like, what belief have I been holding? Mm -hmm. And what belief am I ready to let go of now that I'm conscious of it? Because, uh, yeah, each one of those very defining moments where I felt inept, unqualified, broken, ashamed, um, lost, overwhelmed, have all led me to much more compassion, empathy, self-care, vulnerability. And I think it's there's maybe a pull through here on just the beliefs that we hold. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I, I, I'm letting that stuff go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something that, you know, and what you just shared of, you know, when, when you were at the starting point of some of these significant challenges uh, of just feeling broken. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I think of times when I have felt that it's an incredibly lonely place uh, because, you know, the story we tell ourselves is everyone else has it figured out, right? The story we Mm -hmm. tell ourselves is that there's going to be consequences if I share this, and, and I think there's, there's, 
you know, part of that first part and something that we hear a lot in, in just, you know, talking to fellow humans, whether it's through the work or through friendships, is this real, I think this real belief that no one is suffering as much as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, not not from a place of victim, but from a place of feeling so alone, yeah. right? Yep. And, um, and so I guess, you know, one thing that I'm, you know, just curious about is like when, when, you know, when you think back to those moments where you can now look back and go, yeah, that was really hard. What what were some of the stories that you were telling yourself? I mean, you already shared some of Mm -hmm. them, but I'm curious to just spend some time um, in that framework together. Yeah. Okay, great. Because I, my highest hope for this conversation, I, I think I have a lot of them, but one of them in this moment right here is that whoever's listening Hello, dear listener. Um, you're not broken. <laughs> People mm-hmm. are still going to love you. You're not a liability. You know, all of the, mm-hmm. just this programming we get, I, I, you know, bye-bye. So one of the things I think that I've become aware of, and I'll, I'll talk about my current situation. So we can talk about burnout, infertility as leaders, for sure. This one um, is, is relatively new, so it's going to be messy. And I think it's, yeah. it might be useful to be messy together mm-hmm. so that people can see, because it's very fresh for me. So four months ago, five months ago, I got the official diagnosis of lipedema. And lipedema is a connective tissue disorder that affects one in nine women, 11% of the population in the U.S., <clears throat> and it is undiagnosed. So the way it presents itself is obesity. Mm. So I'll just pause for a second and say, my burnout recovery, part of that was me getting my weight under control. So I would tell people back then I was 100 pounds overweight and I lost 85 pounds in part of my burnout recovery. And boy, did I hold on to that because I was proud. I could move mm. around. I looked better in headshots for our business, you know. And I've gained 100 pounds in a year. Hmm. And so the story I was telling myself is, are you burnt out again? You Boy, you're broken. Mm. Oh, well, all your messaging was around, you know, you've got your nutrition under control. And here we are again, Lisa. So you just want to talk about like beating yourself up and being confused as all hell. Mm. So what happened for me was menopause. Mm. And lipedema is exacerbated in, it's this is a woman's disease, by the way, so Puberty, pregnancy, menopause. That's when it flares. And so, boy, did I, I'm already like having hot flashes and feeling crappy and, oh my gosh, I'm in menopause and then I'm gaining 100 pounds. And so, like the story I was telling myself was not pretty. It was really bad. So, when I finally found out there's this thing, lipedema, and I finally find one of the few doctors in the United States that can diagnose you, and they tell me, yes, you're stage three, there's four stages, stage three, and you have two different types because it's in my arms, my my middle mm. section, and my legs. I was relieved. Mm. And I, I had a six-hour drive home, and Sarah, that whole drive home, I just cried and cried and cried. And I kept thinking, why am I crying so much? And I think I was crying. What I know now, after a lot of reflection, was 50-something years of feeling fat and broken and having weight mm. bias and you know, doing it to myself, having people, dear friends tell me, you're never going to get married because men don't marry fat women. Like that's been said mm. to me, right? So all this conditioning and programming about, you know, weight 
to then be told there's nothing you can do and everything you did back then you couldn't do now because your body's different. You go, oh, well, that's pretty liberating to not be beating myself up anymore. Yeah. And yet, boy, there, there's so much unlearning to do. And then there's a lot to do to be okay. So yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, but I'll just pause there no. about just some of the thoughts and the stories. Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that. And you know, a few a few different things are coming up as I'm listening to you, you know, uh, when you were talking about how one of your successes that you was an anchoring success for you was the ability to lose weight and that you prioritized it. And, you know, and it made me reflect on when something has become part of our identity, uh, the failure can feel even greater when we can't figure it out because it isn't just that it was like, oh, I want to do this, but it's like, I've, I've literally made money on this. I've literally been on, st- I mean, how many thousands of people did you yeah. share that story to? Yep. How many people did you inspire? So, and, and I would imagine, um, there's some moment like elements of like feeling like not only did you let yourself down before you got diagnosed, but also letting down everyone that you, right. Like everybody share everybody. And gosh, that is a heavy, that's heavy. You know, look at zoom screen. If anyone's watching on zoom, like I would hide myself and be like, why is it? I don't know if this is TMI, but we'll go there. Right. So yeah, I had to buy new underwear, two sizes in like a year. And I'm like, Mm. what is going on? Cause I was so uncomfortable. So my head just kept getting shorter on all the zoom calls. Right. Mm. And then the in person requests were coming and I'm like, uh, do, they're going to see my whole body. What am I going to mm. do about this? What kind of fraud mm. are you? What kind of, what are you mm. going to do about it? Yeah. There was a, it was very heavy. The other part yeah. of this, I think that's really important to note is that when I said stage three, that's because it was impacting my mobility. So walking mm. up a flight of stairs was very difficult for me. Um, walking the dog, I couldn't do. Standing in line at Starbucks, let's just say, when you want to go out for you know a coffee chat with someone, if there's like more than five people in line, I had to sit down. Could not mm. grocery shop anymore. I had to take one of those scooters, right? Went to the zoo in a scooter just so I could be with my daughter and still have the experience. And so part of the mobility challenges piece is I just thought, well, I'm fat, so of course it's harder. Like, no, no, that's not it. Hello. Um, you have a connective tissue disorder that makes all of your joints not work together well. So you're wobbly. You are you, you're yeah. carrying so much fluid. My physical therapist said, if you could fill a garbage bag with water, like a 20-pound garbage bag of water, and t- tie that on your leg, that's what you're carrying around in fluid mm. right now from this disease. And I was like, wow. Oh, talk about heavy. So there's the, yeah. I built my brand on, you know, burnout prevention, which I do know how to reboot from burnout. I've done it. I just didn't realize uh-huh. that the weight loss, <clears throat> the the healthy side was going to have this next chapter. And yeah. Yeah. So I think the thing that I would love to highlight for folks is that um, the mobility challenges, I would sneak them in, but when the live come and present or speak on stage or run a workshop or whatever, I was just like, I can't walk. Are they going to want me in a wheelchair? Is this going to be okay? Are they going to accommodate? I'm putting in air quotes because I have a whole conversation about accommodation. Um, And then how do I navigate all this? How do you navigate it all? Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and even as you were talking, like, uh, and, and our society has stories and perceptions about people who need accommodations, right? Like as you were talking, I was sitting there, I had a moment of, I've never seen a speaker in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. unless they were specifically speaking about their condition. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And, and Okay. Right. I know there's so much. I mean, there's there. Yeah, there is. And, and, and I just like, I'm having a hard time like articulating it, but I I was just talking about this with my colleague, Teresa yesterday and about how particularly as women, we are bombarded and it's not, it's not uniquely women. I know men, men have, uh, image issues yes. and stories yes. that are told about how they should look and how they should feel and how they should show up. But it is substantially greater for women, right? Our our value largely is based on how well we can take care of people and how youthful we can look, right? And not that anyone would, you know, no one, you know, most people would say, uh, oh, no, that's not true. And yet, oh, please. Right? we have been right? practice for days. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And, and, and there's something so, um, I struggle with this and, and hearing, you know, you talk about it too, of just that relief of like, my God, I've spent my whole life with so much mental energy on how I didn't look right, or I didn't look good enough, or I didn't look right, healthy enough, or whatever the case is. And I I don't even know what my point is with all this, but it, it, It 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 brings up so much emotion because the volume of energy, mental energy that so many of us have to spend combating hating ourselves, mm-hmm. hating how we look is quite like it's depressing. It's like devastating to say it out loud. And, you know, and then and then to to look at your situation, because as I was reading and preparing for this, right, like how many people are misdiagnosed mm. because it's just like, well, you're just, you're overweight yep. and you just need to exercise more. And right. Like, and then we can get into the whole like fat shaming culture. Dude. I mean, there's so much that we can explore, yep. but like, yeah. Can I, so I don't even know like yeah. I, what comes up for well, you. Well, Let me just join you on that because yes, this has been my last half of the year, just unlearning. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then what happens is I become more aware of how hard it is to find parking. When I needed to use the bathroom a few weeks mm. ago, there was someone in the, um, I don't even know what to call this. So I don't have the right language. Full disclosure, right. I am nice but clueless when it comes to how to talk about this. So I hope mm. I, I'm mm. giving grace while I share this experience because I'm not going to say it all right. I don't know yet. I even bought a book. I bought a book because I wanted to figure out how to talk about this stuff. Demystifying Disability right? Mm. What to know, what to say, and how to be an ally. Because I'm just Mm. living this life right now. So I will just say, full disclosure, I don't know what to call the the stall in the bathroom that's wider with the handles, okay? But I need that stall to be able to stand up right now. I go to the water park with my daughter. She's doing her thing. I have my legs elevated because um, with my condition, they swell. They're really, they're very swollen. And I have to keep them up so that it's easier to walk. Mm. And I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom. Well, that's going to take me 10 minutes to shuffle on over, you know, sweat the whole time because I'm wearing medical grade compression all over my body, mm. get to the bathroom, then I have to take it all off. And if anyone has even worn 
compression wear on an airplane, you know, this is no joke. Okay. Then yeah. your bladder's like, no, gotta, you're rolling it down and it's tight. It down. And it's it's yeah. brutal. Right. So you got to, mine goes waist high. Mm-hmm. Got to get it down. Did we think we we're talking about the bathroom today, but we're going to, I get, I finally make it. I'm like, there yeah. is, oh, right. Sound effect. Bathroom stall. Somebody's in it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, now I got to wait. There's 12 other stalls. Can't do it. Right. Doing the potty dance. Right. Get right. In there. How comes the mom with two kids? And you know what? I've been that mom. I've been in that stall with my daughter before I had this situation. And I was just grateful it was big enough for me and my daughter so I could keep her safe. And I had all these thoughts right then, Sarah, like, how dare you? I need the bathroom. And then I went, wait a minute. I've been you too. So my whole journey right now has me recognizing the anxiety and the stress of even needing to use a restroom. Mm. And then Mm. wanting to discharge that on someone who was blocking me and then realizing, I can see myself there too. So it's been um, quite a journey to even show myself grace and compassion and, you know, plan ahead. So the energy of using the restroom, the energy of finding a parking Mm. space, the energy of speaking on stage and traveling a day ahead. So I can just calm all of that that goes with it. So I can be my best self when I speak. Um, It's no joke. It's the, yeah, the, um, the thing that I'm I'm learning in my journey, and now as I pay attention differently, that that I think for people who are listening who maybe aren't in a situation where they're having to navigate a significant uh, health situation, uh, whether it's acute or chronic, is the amount of planning, mm-hmm. and 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 I would imagine is it, it, so. Let me make this assumption that you aren't only planning for the front half, you're planning for the back half as well. Absolutely. Right. And so like, um, you know, a dear friend of mine, she has severe chronic migraines. And so just constant, it's, so it isn't, it isn't just the accommodations that might be needed, right. Physically or environmentally in order for people to show up. It is the intentionality. And, you know, and I, I've spoken a little bit um, on our kickoff episode about, you know, dealing with long-term fatigue mm-hmm. uh, from COVID. And, and that was a huge shift for me of suddenly I was weighing, was it worth me doing this? Was it worth me going out? Was it worth me seeing this friend knowing that like, I knew I would need a lot of time to recover, or I would need time to prepare to get up for it. And and again, like from a standpoint of the additional burden, the additional energy cost, the additional mental cost, all of that, that it isn't just, um, you know, I need this accommodation, but there's so many other mm-hmm. things you are having to navigate and think about literally just to exist like not even yes right like not even to exist at your best self just to fuck pardon my language just to fucking exist right like i just want to go to the bathroom yep and how how can i do that in a way that doesn't absolutely deplete me yeah and it is depleting for sure you know one thing i'll say that i think um if i can impart some lessons learned in my own, you know, Mm. thought processes. I used to, it's so interesting when I think back, you know, team building experiences, right? 
They, I remember one time the team I was on, we were going to the East Coast and they wanted us to all go in the ocean. And mm. I didn't want to wear a bathing suit. And I was one of the only women. And I didn't, I didn't want to go. And my boss mm. said, you have to go. And I didn't have the courage back then as a younger leader to be like, yeah, no, I'm not going. If yeah. The only requirement is we get in the ocean and I have to wear a bathing suit in front of all of you. I'm not going. So I fast forward to now, I couldn't go. I couldn't get in the ocean right, right now. The walk right. to the water, right? So I think to myself as leaders, what, what, what experiences are we creating and how can we be inclusive of everyone mm. who's not even talking about stuff, right? So yeah, I, I'll give another example if I can. I was going to go to a conference. I, my ticket is booked. I got first class seats because right now I'm so large, I don't fit mm. in a regular airplane seat. That's true. Okay. Mm. So now I have the financial investment of first class and somebody had said to me, Oh, first class is not awesome. And it wasn't Mm. my finest moment. I said, really? Isn't it awesome? I don't fit in the seat. I was so like, so Mm. we have to work on that. Right. So, um, first class seat paid for hotel room paid for conference paid for get the, the intro email, get ready to walk five miles a day on the exhibit floor. And I was just crushed. Get ready to walk, wear comfortable shoes. It's not about fashion. It's about comfort. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. So I call him. I'm like, hey, I can't walk five miles a day. I don't have a wheelchair because I'm not fully in that yet. You know, what do you have? And yeah. I use the word accommodation. Oh, well, you know, you can rent a scooter. But, you know, the the um, exhibit hall is kind of squished, so it might not be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And there's thousands of people coming. And it was pretty much like, don't come, right? Yeah. And I still wanted to go because it was important for our business. And I thought, okay, let me, I'll get the scooter. I'll Whatever. It'll maybe it'll be a way to make new friends. Whatever. And then I asked about the COVID check-in protocol. And is there seating? Mm. Right? So between six and seven in the morning, everybody waits in line, takes a COVID test. Once you clear it, then you get on the bus. The bus takes you to the convention center. So I was like, great. Is there seating? Is there a way to get me to the bus? No. No, we don't have that. And I was like, I'm not going. Mm. So I asked for a refund. It took a little while. But what I realized was I've been that event planner. I've put all those seats together lockstep to fit as many people in a room. Yeah. I've, you know, expected people to wait in line at bars for their drinks. And I I just was like, wow, Lisa, you were so nice, but clueless. This is a phrase I learned from Mm. a dear friend of mine. And so she says, no better, do better. So I'm going to know better and do better now. But boy, the waves, when you have that lived experience, um, the last part of this is the word accommodation. So for me, it just pisses me off. I don't know for other people. I can only speak for myself. Mm. But, you know, we'll accommodate you at a restaurant when you don't have a reservation. We'll squeeze you in, right? That's kind of where my head goes. So people Mm -hmm. have said that, you know, we'll accommodate you at this next whatever. And I say, you know, I'd really just like to be included. And then it just stops them. And they're like, what do you mean? Right? And I'm like, well, when you have everything scheduled to go walk from this room to that room, and you've only blocked five minutes to make that activity happen, I'm not going to get that done in five minutes. So I'm going to feel left out. Right. So I just give examples of it, but um, finding my voice to talk about this is almost exhausting too, because I'm living it and I just wish people got it. And then I think, okay, white woman who's, you know, having a mobility issue at 50 something, have you met the people around you who've been educating their whole lives and are freaking tired? If you're tired yeah. after five months, buckle up, buttercup. Like, no, mm-hmm. keep going. So that's mm-hmm. been a journey for me.
More with Lisa Dury in a moment. It's it's interesting to hear you um, when you talk about the tone of accommodations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't I've, I haven't thought about it, but as you were talking, it was like, yeah, yep. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, we it's an afterthought. It's it's almost like um, sometimes it can come off as like, I guess we can do that for you. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. w- we'll we'll see what we can do instead of of. Thinking about it from a place of right, yeah, like being inclusive, being helpful, being supportive, setting that person up for success. You know, I can't help. I just got back from a trip to Canada and uh, I'm generalizing, but the Canadians we met were outstanding, Mm. outstanding. And so many of them were just so tuned into how do I take care of you in a way, quite frankly, I'd never experienced uh, from clients before. I mean, we always have great relationships with clients, but it was just on a different mm-hmm. level. And so I can't help it just like, you know, a couple of things that are coming up for me as I'm hearing you talk, like how many people have had this experience and are opting out? They're like, I'm not even going to bother trying to navigate all of this. I'm, I'm not thought of, right? I'm not being included in the planning. I'm not being, you know, thought of with this. Um, so I'm just not going to go because I think that sometimes there's a sense that it's such a f- minor few, mm-hmm. right? So so we'll accommodate it on a one-to-one basis instead of, no, this is actually, there's a far greater part of the population who would probably benefit. And right, and this is the work of inclusion exactly. that women can create and build, mm-hmm. right, for the people who are most um, w- whether it's marginalized, oppressed, right, negatively impacted, it literally helps the rest of it helps everyone then mm-hmm. when we when we can um, create that type of environment. But I, you know, I'm giving, you know, just myself even reflecting on probably times when I was absolutely that, you know, like I, I remember um, early, early in my career, leading some like, you know, this is back in my improv, you know, like <laughs> leadership. It's very physical. Yep. And we're playing these, we're throwing shit. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know and, and there was somebody who had mobility issues. And I remember being like, I have no idea how to adjust for this. And I did not plan for this, mm-hmm. right. Or an, another time when um, somebody was blind. And I was like, I've never thought about how to make sure my materials were easy for someone who, you know, wasn't like me. Right. And that's how we walk through the world. Totally. And yet, you know, like I, you know, I think about the uh, quote from my dear friend, Jill Mata uh, on our team and just a good friend. And she's like, you can't be a great leader if you can only lead people who look and sound like you. Mm -hmm. And on some level, you know, you could even expand that of like, I don't want to say be a great human, but how do we just continue to expand what's out there in the world so we can show up and, and make space and not make space even I'm going to catch my language there. 
like make space is like accommodating. Like, how do we create the space? Mm. Oh, I love that for everyone to be able to be show, like to to just know I can show up, and um, and it'll be safe for me to show up. Yeah, the whole like bring your whole self to work is is a whole new level, right? And I think one yeah. of the things I've learned because we do a lot, we facilitate amazing experiences where every voice gets presenced, heard, seen, and valued. And we do that with a very specific facilitation way we do. And Mm. even that, I think Zoom has leveled the playing field for people to be able to get their voice Mm -hmm. in. Mm. Because when you're in person, there's all this other stuff, right? Part of me was like, I don't want pictures taken of me at this conference, even for social Mm. media, because you're going to see my whole body and you're going to see me struggling, right? And so one of the things that comes to mind for me right now is for every client we're working with and every conversation I'm in is what does inclusion feel like for you? Yeah. And so I'm just asking that question more and more and more um, because it's different for everybody. You know, I was in a, um, I'm in a Facebook group for moms in tech and one of the moms went in and said, okay, I know it's a first world problem. It's really my problem and I need some, you know, high advice. My daughter, my child gets out of school at two and then after care, after care is at three across town, and I'm working, and they're making us be back in the office. Is there some sort of kid taxi or transport mm. something? Right, and like my heart, I just thought to myself, mm. when you're forcing someone back in the office, and this person, much like me about that beach, doesn't feel comfortable saying, "Hey, between two and three, I need to go run this situation." Right. Um, I need to go care for my kid, check in at the transition and make this happen um, because you have to be on and in the office. Like, what are you missing out on? Because we both, I know you and I both know the energy mm-hmm. that goes on in the back of the mind. Is my child okay? Are they going to be mm-hmm. okay at aftercare? Is everything right? And so I feel like the invitation is for that person's manager to say, how can we make work really work for you? Because you're amazing. Yeah. And then that yeah. person says, you know, Here's my current situation. I'm. You're going to laugh. I need accommodation, right? Between two and three. And really, in my mind, I would say I need flexibility. I'd like to not be booked in meetings between two and three so I can do this. Yeah. She didn't feel that that was even an option. So it was like, what kind of kid transport without me can I make this happen? I see this with people with elder, you know, with parents are trying mm-hmm. to care for, mm-hmm. with dementia and medication mm-hmm. management and doctor's appointments. Mm. And this whole right now, everybody be back in the office thing. I just want to shine a light on it and invite people to think about why and what's in it. You know, where is this coming from and how might we have a conversation that's different, which is, hey, when we're together, how do we make it exceptional? And what does that look like for you so you can be fully present? Like what might be in the way? So I'll pause. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty fair about it. Yeah, I think you and I could l- just keep lifting each other up on the soapbox on that one because you're you're absolutely right that the virtual world has leveled the playing field, and you know you think about it even from a standpoint of accessibility, right? I and when I early on when we started to make the change to do virtual events, I remember <laughs> I'm actually I'm so I'm sitting in my basement right now. So this we weren't down at our studio yet. We didn't have all of our but we were doing what we can. And my parents were sitting in the couch, sitting right over there as I was doing a session. They happened to be here. You know, we, we had done the two weeks of quarantining so we could be together. So we're like, you're going to be with me even if I'm working. And my dad, after it was over, he said, you know, what's really great about virtual 
is that everyone gets the same experience with you. Mm -hmm. And I said, what do you like, what do you mean, dad? And he goes, I've seen you speak. I've sat in the back, you know, like he'll sneak in at conferences or whatever and sit in the back. And he said, not everyone can see your facial expressions. Not everyone can hear you clearly depending on the room. And that was the first time I started to really realize and see the power, you know, and then you add in people can add closed captioning, you add in um, that they can control the volume, you add in that they can do what they need to do to be physically comfortable, right? Maybe my blood sugar is getting low, and I need to grab a snack. Maybe I am having a headache, and I want to participate and listen, but I just need to turn the lights off for a second. Mm -hmm. Or from an, you know, from a standpoint of, of, not everyone is comfortable speaking into a microphone in front of 300 people sharing their stories, but chatting is much more lower risk. Sending it to like a facilitator to share in their behalf is much more lower risk. And, and, um, and I think, you know, I mean, and again, like humans are wired to view the world through the experience we are having, right? Mm -hmm. This is why when we think about the work of inclusion, uh, empathy, that active empathy becomes so critical yeah. to, to consider who, who might we be missing out on. And I, and I, and I'm curious to know, cause sometimes, sometimes this is a trigger for me, you know, when people are just like, gotta suck it up, gotta just come into the workplace and, and like people just, they should just be happy. They have a job mm -hmm. like, that. Like when I hear lead, when I hear people in positions of power and authority speak like that, it's like, why, why would somebody want to work? Well, <laughs> why would somebody want to work for you? Yeah. Why, why would, you know, like, why is that the impact you want to make on somebody is like tough, you know? And I get that there are times when we may have to go kind of shit or get off the pot. Yeah, like yeah. I get that yeah. there are those moments, but that's not what we're talking no. about. Yeah, no, and that's not at all what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. You know, is it okay if I join you? Because I'm so inspired by what you said. Yeah, oh my come, God. come up. I'm I'll pull you up. Fired up on this one. There. Okay, see, this is what happens with me. I'm so fired mm -hmm. up. I want to be very intentional. It is an honor to lead people. Okay, mm -hmm. this is not like you've got your army and you're going to command and control everybody to go do what you say. You should not be a leader if that's your brain. If that's the lens in which you're looking at, that's how your brain is wired. Like you, 27 widgets in two hours, right? Whatever. No, hmm. we are in the um, an amazing opportunity in this lifetime for the knowledge, the collective wisdom to move all of us into the unknown in a way to where we can actually make the world better. And if you are just like, suck it up and get in there, I guarantee you this whole concept of quiet quitting, which I have a whole conversation about with you too, if you want. Mm -hmm. It's just bullshit. Like when yeah. you as a leader only have in your heart to be like, you just have to do it. You're not even leading. That's mm. not leadership. Leadership is curiosity. Right. And listen, mm. have I thought you should all be here and this is the way it is. Of course. And that's, there is the time mm -hmm. and the place. And have I made mistakes in this world? Oh my gosh. Yes. Mm. And the reason I'm so passionate about is now is I can see what's possible when you don't have this like black and white ones and zeros thinking and you're actually looking at the symphony of strengths and all that mm -hmm. is on your team to be able to bring out the best in everybody. So I, I thank you for letting me just shout at the mm -hmm. rooftops. Cause yeah. Yes, yes. And yes. I mean it, uh, we, 
we really do have an opportunity to reshape it and rebuild something better. And maybe, maybe we can't, you know, maybe the whole system won't change because of the, right? Like we're in a capitalist society. That's the game we're in, right? But how, how can we do it in a way that's less harmful, more energizing, more meaningful. And, you know, I was joking with, with somebody the other day, he was laughing. He said, yeah, sure. I have thoughts too of like, work would be way more easier if I wasn't working with people. And he's like, and, (laughs) and it would be way less interesting and way less satisfying and way less meaningful. And, you know, and another uh, general manager, we were sitting and talking and he goes, you know, I've been at this a while, Sarah, and I'm just really we're we're in a space now where we can't just run the numbers and the business strategy. We we have to be much more involved in coaching people. We have to be much more involved in setting them up for success and supporting them. And um, I mean, we are in we're in the time of humanity right now. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, and I know you and I agree on this and we've talked about this and we're both passionate about it. Work hasn't worked for a lot of people for a very long time. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and think of how many people have been excluded. Um, You know, and I think about this for my, again, and you know, like you, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I know there are things that I can do better. I know there are things I can do better that I don't know about yet. I definitely know there are things that I've done um, in previous management that now I look back and I'm like, oh, God, shot it, you know, but I have to be like, you know better, do better, yep. right? Like when I can see better, I can do better. Like, and, and the thing is, you know, especially when I hear people say, well, people just don't want to work. I don't know a single person who doesn't want to feel like they are valuable Mm -hmm. and can add value, whatever that looks like. And, and maybe someone doesn't have the technical know-how that we need, but every single person I do believe has greatness within them. And every single person has wisdom uh, that we can learn from and we can cultivate and we can come together to, to bring something to create something new, like there, everyone has something to offer if we're willing to listen and if we're willing to create the space. And I, I do believe, like, and maybe it looks different. You know, not everyone wants to contribute in a formal work way, but um, I just think of like how many voices are we missing out on? How much um, experiences, and you know what I mean? Like, I, I. I've been reflecting a lot. So give me a moment, if I may. Um, You know, a lot of times you'll hear uh, people say, like, nobody will remember, like, how you work. They'll make you, you know, like the Maya Angelou. They won't remember what you did, but how you made them feel. And a lot of people are like, they're not going to remember your spreadsheets. And, you know, so it's like, go out and and live your life. Um, A dear mentor of mine and former boss passed away recently, very young from cancer. And, And I found myself reflecting that some of the biggest impact she made was at work. She made huge impact outside of work, but how she showed up mm-hmm. at in 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 the structure of which we spend the most amount of time with people. It was unbelievable the stories that people had about her. 
because of how she showed up and the spaces she created for people. And even though that was, yeah, that was at work, the the ripple on people's personal being and sense of self was substantial. I don't know where I'm going with any of this, but this is just like what's coming out of my heart right now as we talk about this. Like I just as hearing your story and like reflecting on this is we're just missing out mm. on so many people and and creating something better. So first of all, I am I, I, I don't like the words I'm sorry for your loss. They don't land well for me. Yeah. So I just want to make sure I presence um heartfelt I guess I just want to say love, Sarah, for the the relationship that you had, the impact that this mentor had on you, and the fact that that has shifted now, and that you're reflecting from from the perspective of they're no longer with us here. Um, what you're talking about is legacy, right? What you're talking about is humanity, and I too have lost a mentor um, to cancer, which is very interesting. Mm. And what I can tell you is it's the same thing, right? What you're really reflecting on, and I think is an invitation for all leaders, is what's your legacy, right? And how mm. do you see and do you understand that when you hold space, we call it firm leadership. If you're flexible, intuitive, mm. resilient, and mindful, how does what does that do for your entire organization? Because not only are you leading these people in, on your team, but they have families and they're in the community and what, however their day is impacted either bring comes home with them negatively or positively period. So you are actually a much bigger part of their world than just their manager, mm-hmm. their boss, senior vice president. And what you're talking about is legacy. I think the invitation is what's the legacy you're really leaving. Right. And if you yeah. walk in thinking everybody needs to be here and nobody wants to work, that's not the, I don't, that's not the legacy I want to leave, Mm-mm. you know? And I, I think I just want to share something real. I'm going to get super vulnerable for a second. Not like I haven't been, but I really want to say to you that um, just this week we held a team meeting for our collective and everybody, but one person has known I've been going through this. Cause when I'm one-on-one, I'm telling people, but I hadn't done it in a team setting and I was super anxious. Mm. Um, and the one person didn't know cause they were brand new to our team and I didn't have a chance to have the conversation. It just played out that way. And we did, we sell, we always start with celebrations and wins. We're always, you know, really looking at how we're working together, how we're impacting our clients. So we did all that and the celebrations, there were so many and so deep and I could feel the energy. Um, I almost chickened out in sharing However, I had mm. built I had built the workbook for our team meeting and I had put something in there and I was like, I, I got to go. I, there's no chickening out now, right? And I didn't do it very well, in my opinion. Um, I was messy. I was scared. I cried. I cried. Um, mm. But I was letting them know like, hey, part of the messaging you're going to be hearing from me on stages is about disability advocacy and inclusion. And we've always talked about inclusion, but now I have this lived experience and because one in nine women are impacted with lipedema, I'm going to be talking about this because I feel like this is a crime. And I want to mm-hmm. let you all know that we're not shifting RLD group. We're still rebooting leadership drive, right? We're still culture, burnout prevention results, right? Bottom line results. And I'm going to up that. I'm going to shine a light on this a little bit more because it's important to me. I did all this. I actually showed pictures of my body so they would know what to look for. Mm-hmm. I showed Mm. pictures of my body so they could know what to look for, crying and talking about how hard it is to move around. 
And then we had to end the meeting. So I didn't have space on the other end for any processing, right? I thanked sure. all and I was saying, hey, I just want to let you know if you haven't gotten a hold of me, I'm probably at the doctor and this is what's going on and we're doing great. We just landed all these deals, like all that. When the meeting was done, I was just like, what did I just do? Like I really mm. questioned it. And one of the team members did a WhatsApp and said, I am so inspired by what you did. Thank you for sharing with us. How can we support you? Right. It was a very lovely message, but most of the team members didn't say anything. Hmm. They had other meetings to go do client work, right? They had life to live and they had all known. Yeah. And so I had to battle tremendous vulnerability hangover. Sure. What are they all thinking? Are they all going to, are they going to leave? What are they doing? Like, whatever uh-huh. you want to think. Do they think I'm ridiculous for crying? Right. Yeah. And even probably just some elements I would imagine like, gosh, it would be nice to just know that like, that was okay, <laughs> you know, or that, uh, you know, right. Yeah, I mean, it's and, like, and, I don't need, need someone to take care of me, but it's nice when you're like, I just ripped out my heart to you and to just have an acknowledgement of that. Well, there's sometimes. a learning here, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And because words of affirmation are my love language, mm. I I like words, right? So anyway, mm-hmm. we went on and I just sat with it and sat with it and sat with it. I'm like, what's the learning? What's the learning? How do I feel? Why, you know, what was your intended outcome in the first place? Why did you rush that? Like all mm-hmm. of the thoughts, because mm-hmm. I'm a reflective person. Well, I called the newest member because I was like, I need to make sure she's okay. Because she had no exposure to this. And I'll just say, what a gift it was to be curious and courageous and ask the question. Because I was like, I don't know what she's going to say. She said, Lisa. I have been in my career for over 25 years and I have never been in a meeting where there was so much celebration and support, no competition. And that the leader led with vulnerability in a way that you did. She's Mm. like, I'm so inspired. My husband is calling you today because he overheard our meeting and he wants to work with us. Mm. Okay. And I was like, what? She's like, "I, I, I wish more leaders would do that. Because everybody's battling something. Even if the leader were to say, yeah. you know what, my wife is burnt out and I'm, I'm carrying the household right now. Or my mother has dementia and I'm trying to get her into assisted living. Or I'm just tired. She's like, if leaders would do that more. And so I hung up with that call, Sarah. And I was like, I'm so glad I didn't react to the vulnerability hangover and mm-hmm. discharge my discomfort and you know label everybody. She was off having a conversation with her husband. Another person right. called me the following day and said, uh, yeah, I have lymphedema and I don't talk about it. 17 mm. years, I've never said a word. Mm. Right? So one of the things I think that's so important in my learning, and I want to share this with everybody right now, is that the vulnerability hangover is the opportunity for you to pause and just simply mm. notice and then choose that right next step. Because if you're not going first, your team's not going to do it. So whatever that is, if, even if you're just not sleeping well at night, you know, to just share something on the human side. So I can look back now and I still shake when I think about it. I'm really glad I did it the way I did it. Perfectly imperfect and messy. Um, and I'm so blessed to be surrounded with amazing leaders who also didn't get codependent and just to go try and fix me had their own process Mm. Mm. and um, that I can share this story because I want to invite everyone to think about how might you share what's what's running in the background in your processor that might could use a simple reboot just by you downloading 
done. Mm. So yeah, thank you for letting me share that. It was a, that was a big thing. No, I appreciate you. I appreciate you walking through that and also sharing with us what was going on in your head, because sometimes what felt messy to you might not have seen or felt messy to other people, right? And again, and can reinforce that idea that people have their (laughs) (laughs) And even when you're crying, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm a hot mess, people can still be like, wow, they're so brave. You're like, nope, not brave, just a hot mess. But thank you, you know, like... We need a new term where we combine brave and hot mess together. I don't know what it is yet, but yeah. <laughs> right? I I'm 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 hotly brave. No, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll just call it vulnerable. Uh, How about that? Yeah. yeah, we'll just call it vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. And um and and what beautiful role modeling in sharing for all of us to hear, you know, like I hear that story and I go, and that's what leadership looks like. Mm. Like that's the act of leadership of you know, stepping into our humanity, normalizing the imperfections. We we have so many myths around leadership that we have to have it all figured out and we have to, you know, have a stiff upper lip and we have to not show emotions and we have to do all of this. And and we're humans who have emotions and we're humans who have hurt and we're humans who have health issues and we're humans who insert whatever human condition and human suffering and human celebration you want. And, and, and sometimes, you know, and I know you hear this from your clients, just like we do of, there's a fear of like, well, what will happen if I do that? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, there's already a cost that is being paid because you aren't. Yes. Yeah. 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 I read something from Kelly McGonigal about stress is when you, something you care about deeply feels at risk. And was mm, I feeling stressed mm. in that meeting? I mean, I was as oh. present as I could in all those celebrations, but I, what was running in the background is I'm next. I'm next. I'm next. I kept saying that I care about this. I care about this team. I care about this company. I care about our clients. And how do we, how do we walk the talk? And um, yeah, I also really, really appreciated that not everybody jumped right away so I could have that time yeah. to process. They needed yeah, for sure. time. So it's, I mean, the vulnerability hangover is very real. I mean, I think this is something that, um, you know, when, when we know that we or someone's going into an emotionally charged conversation, whatever it is, it's there, there will need to be some recovery time. And then, you know, and then, and then the, the beautiful practice again, that you role model of here are the initial thoughts. Here are the initial stories I told myself about why people weren't reaching out or, you know, whatever that might be. And now I'm going to get curious and now I'm going to, you know, open up space or even just like, when, where does that come from? And what need do I have? Mm-hmm. And all of that. You you said something on a personal level that I want to, I want to make sure gets echoed because I think it's really a really important practice that sometimes seems so simple which is when we're so overwhelmed, sometimes we have to download to process. Mm. And I know that's something I've had to learn that I can ruminate. I can ruminate with the best of them. I can suffer in silence with the best of them. And um, learning that sometimes I just need to speak it out to get it out of my body and to, and I don't know if that's actually what you even meant. Like, I'm going to check my, my assumption, Mm. actually, how I heard that. Mm -hmm. And so if that's different than how you meant, please clarify so we can get that perspective as well Is, and sometimes we have to, we have to share it. Yeah. When I said um, so that we can see it, so we can give space. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. No, you're totally on point because downloading for me is letting it out and having the background, having it stop running in the background and presence it for whatever it is, whatever it is right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're, I, we were tracking there. Okay. And, and that it doesn't have to be fixed. I think that's the other thing when we think about, mm. I mean, and so let's bring this as a through line through this whole conversation. If it's, if you are supporting, if you love, if you're around somebody who's experiencing maybe um, a health hardship, maybe some kind of other hardship, some kind of other pain or hurt, there, there's this default and tendency that we want to take away the pain. Now, sometimes I think we want to take away the pain because it's uncomfortable for mm-hmm. us. Like I'm sliding the tissues over because I don't know what to do with your tears instead of, you know, just and I and and if I may gush on you for a moment, the thing and you all listening are hearing this and how Lisa shows up in conversations. And, you know, this was our first conversation. What struck me is your intentionality of I'm just going to be present with you. And I'm just going to be present with this. I'm not going to give you some platitude. I'm not going to try to resolve it. I'm just going to name it, honor it, mm-hmm. and just be with it wherever it needs to be. And that is something I think that you are, um, it's like a master class when I'm in conversations with you, Lisa, about how you show up. Because there are things that I might feel, but I don't always verbalize them. And so that's that's a gift that you've given me and continue to reinforce of how powerful it is to to say it out loud. And, and, um, so, so thank you for that. And, um, and thank you for showing all of us what it looks like to show up in that way. Sarah, I really appreciate you saying that because not everybody receives it that way. Let's just call that for right. one moment. Sure. Right? Yeah. Oh, well, thanks for dumping all your stuff right here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really thinking about something else and now I got all this going on. And um, so you are also a, someone who I experience as being in the moment and present. And I love when we get in conversation because we don't know where it's going to go. What mm-hmm. I always um, appreciate about in, in conversation with you, and thank you for giving me this platform to talk about this. Um, is just how curious you are and where it goes together. Because I think you're modeling one of the most important facets of leadership, which is curiosity. You even said, wait, I heard download. I thought this, let me check back in. Right? Mm. Who doesn't want a leader that's going to take that moment and say, I just told myself what I think that means, but let's double click. You just modeled something so beautiful that every leader can do. Because when you're present, you're actually asking yourself. Right? Present isn't just in your head. Present is with me and in your head. Like it's, it's a, well, there's three of us, I guess. But you're in your mm-hmm. head, you're with you, and you're with me. So, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Why, you know, w- one thing that I, I feel like um, would be a missed opportunity if I didn't, if I didn't ask, because I can imagine that there's probably people listening to this who are thinking I've been in that situation. I am in this situation. Maybe they'll be in this situation. And we've talked a lot about maybe ways that we can show up for other people when we see them in this and how to think about that. But, you know, what, what would be a couple of practices that have been valuable for you as you've been working through it? You know, so what are some of the conversations you've been having with yourself to navigate? Because it can be, when you're dealing with something chronic, when you're dealing with something that disrupts your way of living, disrupts your identity, disrupts, right? Um, 
it it uh and i'm not i'm not a fan of like just think positively like, <laughs> right like no um there's a time and place and you know so I, I don't know who it was there's some psychologist who's like positive thinking's like ice cream like it's okay sometimes but i don't want it shoved down my throat every time i'm that's awesome hurting, you know? borrow that. but but um you know what are some of the things that as you've been going through this have been really effective at helping you be able to stay present with it, the, the challenges to navigate through them, to reframe, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if I have an answer, but I'll just, I'm going to just process this with you real time because I'm very aware of how much I've beat myself up over this. You mm. should have known it sooner. How come a doctor didn't catch it? Mm. Why, why, why? Why did you have to get to mo immobility? Like, could you not have, are you not in tune with your body? Did you not know, you know, all this stuff, okay? That all happened. Then there was, well, what a burden you are to your family. How are you? You can't even walk up mm. the stairs to bring the groceries up. You always have to ask for help. Um, you know, there's a lot of not prettiness that went on in this process. It's still going on, okay? It depends on the day. Sure. So I would say that the the first thing that comes to mind when you asked me that question was just noticing how I'm talking to myself in my head, right? And noticing that, wow, you wouldn't talk to anybody else like this. If your friend or your daughter or your anybody, you'd be like, how can I help you? What does support? My question is always, what does support look like? Because I don't want to assume. Um, so just noticing how horribly I was talking to myself. So I think when I got the official diagnosis um, and I would, and the doctor was like, you have this. I was like, oh, I'm not even crazy. I'm not like a fat person trying to say I have a disease that I don't have just because I, you know, all this mental yuck. So I would say the first thing for me that I've noticed is really just checking in with myself about how am I talking to myself? Mm -hmm. um, and because I've burnt out, and done the journey of the three-month medical leave and all that went with that. Not even considering the weight loss, just all the other things with sleep, rest, connection, right? Mental health support. Um, the second thing I would say is <clears throat> allowing myself to be messy and not be all together. So the one example I'll give that might help everybody is my daughter is 10. She's got her own life. She's back to school. She doesn't want to help me with my compression when it gets stuck on the bottom of my feet or bring me my phone when I forgot it downstairs. It's kind of annoying, right? And I used to say to her, you know, I count too. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that was a very loving thing to say to my daughter. At the time, it was all, I was just so frustrated. I count too. So we had a conversation and she was like, mom, when you say that, I said, why do you get so mad when I say I count? She's like, because you're not saying we count. Everybody counts. And that's mm -hmm. usually how you show up. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just saying, you know, for 10 years, I did everything for you. I never complained. Like, why do you complain to get my phone? And she's like, well, because you say I count. And she's like, you're really offended, mom. I'm really offended mm -hmm. by that. And I'm like, okay, so how do I remind you that I need help without you being offended? Her answer. Mom, I'd like you just to say cheese. I'm like, what? She, of all the things I could say, maybe help or hey, or, <laughs> instead of, hey, honey, my phone's downstairs. Can you get it? I count, right? She's like, mom, start with, hey, honey. This is how I talked to her. Hey, honey, cheese. My phone's downstairs. Every time I do that, Sarah, no problem, mom. Comes right up, gives me a hug, brings my phone. 
And so I think the invitation for everybody is how do you have the conversation around what does support look like? And then the people supporting you can actually weigh in on that. So they're not Mm. resentful or feeling burdened because this is a whole family affair in my house. Mm. I need help right now. Right. And the gift in that is the languaging and how she's learning how to problem solve and push back when she's offended and me learning. And so how do I do it? It's like everyday messy and everyday learning. Hmm. You know, so I say cheese and it works. I love that. I do too. I love, I love all of that. And I don't even, I feel like that's a beautiful place for us to wind down. Now, normally I ask a question about a conversation, but I feel like you just gave us a really oh, beautiful example yeah. of a conversation that was transformative and, and also to like honor, honor what your daughter needed instead of being like, well, that was dumb cheese. What does that have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. But it's just like, okay, like let's, let's, let's try it. Yeah. And yeah. And so uh, thank you for sharing that. Lisa, mm, mm. someday we'll see each other and there's going to be a <laughs> full body hug if you'll allow oh it. Oh my gosh. You, I'm know, not you can just you sit there and I'll just wrap, wrap not myself around you yeah. is what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, can I just say for anyone who's thinking you can't build a relationship online or everybody has to be in person, just the reminder where we started I saw something amazing on LinkedIn. I told you it was awesome. You offered to be in community with me and here we are. I am so proud of myself for reaching out. I'm so grateful. I, I am. I'm, so I'm grateful. grateful that you did. I'm so grateful. Yeah, Sarah, the work you do is life-changing. You're changing the planet. Uh, thank you for this platform and th- this conversation. Mm. Um, I, I'm just really grateful for who you are and how you show up. And I love being in conversation with you. The feelings are all mutual. And you do some pretty amazing work. So for people who are listening, who are curious to learn more about connecting with you, maybe learning about the work you and your collective do, what is the best way you would like them to connect with you? Oh, well, you know, there's the fabulous LinkedIn, right? That's how you and I met. LinkedIn is great. We also have a website, rldgroupllc.com. Um, either one of those are great. And I do respond. I don't have an Autobot in there being like, thank you for your message. Nope, it's me. (laughs) So sometimes my team will find them and give them to me so I can respond. But it is me. And um, I love being in community and in conversation. So yeah, I would love anyone to reach out who wants to and feels inspired. Yeah, I would love that. And we'll go ahead and we'll share that information. And then Lisa, I have a just, if there's uh, some websites related to uh, Lipedema that you can share with us that you would like us also to include in the notes, Absolutely, I'd like to do that. Yeah. Because I think that especially, I mean, if you are a woman, and if you have a woman in your life, which we all do, right, it's important for us to be aware of conditions that that can impact um, those those in our world and how how to help them. Um, it's just heartfelt. Thank, thank you, Lisa, for being on the show and sharing so whole, wholeheartedly with us all. So thank you. Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Our guest this week has been Lisa Dury, and we explored lots of topics related to her current health crisis with uh, lipedema, uh, what that has, Im- how that has impacted her, her thinking. And, and just talking about how can we in the workplace and as just humans show up uh, more wholly for each other. And, you know, one of the things that I'm definitely holding on to for myself is 
is really doing some deep reflection. You know, we would call it a courageous audit in our work of what are the ways that I may not be um, creating and thinking about inclusive environments, inclusive spaces um, for people who have different physical needs and mental needs. And um, so that's just something I'm holding on to. There's just a couple of moments that made me go, yeah, I need to think about this more. And we want to hear from you. What resonated? What came up for you? Maybe you're going through something similar. You can always email me at podcast at sarahnillwilson.com. You can connect with me on social media. I'm very active on Twitter and LinkedIn, so my DMs are always open. And so we would love to hear from you. And if you'd like to find out more about our work and how we could support your team to have the conversations they're avoiding, check out sarahnillwilson.com to learn about our services. And if you haven't, Pick up a copy of our book, Don't Feed the Elephants, wherever books are sold. And if you have read it, we would love to get a review. That helps us get the word out and expand. And if you'd like to support the show, you can support us on patreon.com slash conversations on conversations, where your financial contributions help support and sustain the work that we're doing. Also, if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you are listening to this, whatever platform you are listening to it. This helps us get the word out and continue to bring on great guests like Lisa. I want to just do a quick shout out to our team that makes this podcast possible while you're listening to me. There's a whole crew behind me. So to our producer, Nick Wilson, our sound editor, Drew Knoll, transcriptionist, Olivia Reiner, and our marketing consultant, Caitlin Summit Nelson, as well as the entire Snowco team. And a final big thank you to Lisa Dury. It is just such a treat to have her on the show. This has been Conversations on Conversations. Thank you for listening. And remember, when we can change the conversations we have with ourselves and with others, we can change the world. So thank you all. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to rest and rehydrate. Bye.